0: Welcome to the latest installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast, and I'm joined by a very experienced panel of tech leaders to discuss an intriguing topic, the main challenges facing a product manager. Before we delve deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room and make some introductions. So, we'll start with Nina Slav.
1: My name is Anita Samishkvich. I work at Elastic uh, as a principal product manager. Uh, outside of work, I have four kids uh, and live in uh, Jutland. Uh, I'm sort of the part of Denmark that is connected with Germany. Uh, I love doing hobby photography, uh, like, like to draw as well, and very nerdy about product management since uh, been here for a couple of years and trying to yeah, give back. So this why, that's why I joined this podcast, to be amongst peers and have some
0: great discussions. Thank you for that. Moving on to Alex.
2: Hey everyone, I'm Alex. I'm a Brit. I actually grew up just outside Liverpool in England. Uh, I now live in Malmö, so I actually commute across to Copenhagen a few times a week. Uh, I had my first kid this year, so I'm adapting to that reality. Uh, pretty sporty, Play a lot of football since I was young, and uh, which helps me in my current job where I'm a product manager at Vo, um, which is a company that makes a camera to record sports. So it fits me pretty nice.
0: Great stuff. Moving on to Hector. All right, so my name
3: is Hector. I'm from Spain. I've been working in product management in different roles for the last eight years in different companies as well, from from startups to corporates like I am right now, working at Mask. Uh, an outside work. Uh, I really enjoy uh, sports, uh, mostly as a as a viewer than as a practitioner. Uh, although I try to to do some water sports from time to time, I really enjoy them. I'm getting my diving license uh, now in in December. Um, I also like Formula One. I really like to learn new stuff, and I love music. Um, so, yeah,
0: nice to meet you all. Thank you for that, Hector. Moving on to Christian. Yes, uh,
4: thank you for doing this. Um, Christian, I, uh, I think about uh, 12 years ago or something, I got my first product management title, and that's uh, that was fun. And then about five years ago, I moved into VP of Product, and then I decided to become a product advisor. So that's what I do now. I advise different companies of different sizes uh, on how they can do this whole product management thing, which is uh, hard. Um, I am, uh, I am like others uh, here, uh, also a bit of a nerd when it comes to products. So that's that is actually part of my spare time. But other than that, I uh, I, I travel a lot. I'm barely, barely in in the country. So I think that's what I spend most of my time doing. Thank you for that, Christian. If you'd like to pose your question to the panel now. Yeah. All right, sure. I would love to ask my question. Um, I find that uh, in this uh, world of, of product management that we're in, I mean, one thing is that it's difficult to explain to family members what it is that we do. That's fair. But I also feel that within the business that we are in, software development, I, I personally struggle so much with actually explaining what it is that we do. And the many, many, many PMs that I sync up with uh, seem to have a similar issue. People have people really don't understand what it is that we're doing. They assume a bunch of things that we're doing, but they don't really understand what it is that we're actually doing. And I've been wondering, what is it that we can do to to make that clear to people, what it is that we do and what it is that we're not doing? Yeah. Nina would you'd like to kick us off on this one?
1: Sure. Uh, I'd love to. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And and I also myself stumble upon that uh, regularly. Uh, I've written down sort of a couple of aspects, factors that has, at least for me, uh, one is that product management as a science is very sort of uh, different, depends on which country you speak to. So in the states, if you think like speak with PMs from the from Silicon Valley, it's that question doesn't pop up because everybody sort of uh, as much as it does in Denmark some, some places. Uh, but I also think another reason is that we are polluting that uh, ourselves. Uh, I don't know how many of you sort of have, have read this uh, discussion regarding product manager, the mini CEO. Uh, And a lot of people are misinterpreting that. Uh, A lot of PMs that comes into the game are also misinterpreting that, thinking they need to sort of drive and be actually a CEO, but it's all about facilitating. So I think we like those two factors and the third one is the sort of the product management has grown into different other roles as well uh product owners and we also have a lot of frameworks that complex the things in large organizations so it's sort of the uh, the image of a product manager gets more foggy and foggy uh, though depends on where you are but that's something i interpret. like if, if you speak with a pm in a startup they have a tendency to really be sharp on like listen i talk to developers i sort of talk to marketing i'm a firefighter i'm doing this and that but if you speak to an enterprise pm they will probably tell you a different story. I'm sort of doing the product-led growth. I'm part of product ops and so on. So no wonder people are sort of a bit confused in my opinion. Um, It depends on which country you're from, what company you are, uh, and also how senior you are in the game. Uh, Because clarity is also one of the factors, in my opinion, that differentiate a PM seniority, right? If you're able to speak clearly, what are you doing? And being honest, I don't don't feel that you need to defend your craft, that you've been in the game for a long time. If you feel that you know, oh my god, somebody's asking what I'm doing, and I I really don't can't figure it out myself, then you probably just answer. That's my opinion. So yeah, and, uh, Hector, what do you think?
3: Um, I think that maybe the question is why don't people understand? Is maybe why don't product managers explain correctly what is product management? Uh, I kind of agree on on all the points that you share. So one is about the product management as a tag in a role is recently new. It's, it's not something that has been here forever, although there has been a lot of people doing product management before. Um, so the maturity of the audience to where you are asking in terms of knowing that concept. Uh, it's important. That's why I think you say that if you say in Silicon Valley, everybody understand. Um, then I also agree. Uh, depending on country, company, framework, with you who talk with, uh, there, there is a lot of complexity there that is not helpful at all, um, and that makes us trying to sometimes explain something that fits in every single concept. And I think we should work on get clarified on that, but should follow is a different question. probably. Um, and then my last point here will be probably connected to this previous one, right? The the, the thing of sometimes we try to say, I bring value to uh, the business by doing x, y, z. And, and I find most of my, my friends and mostly the childhood friends, are not technology-related, different areas. So what I normally tell to them is I, I build digital products. Um, they, of course, uh, associate that to, to the solution, not to the problem, as we used to do. Um, but at least gives them enough clarity to understand more or less in what is involved. Um, I don't think, I don't understand what, a, if I have a friend that is a doctor specializing in something, I can understand the high level, but I don't understand. I have a friend that is dentist, and I know more or less what he's doing. But I'm sure that there are a lot of stuff that he is doing that I don't. I don't get right. So I think it's more or less the same. Um, passing the mic to
2: to Alex. Yeah, thanks. it's uh, a really good question. I I think my answer is based on something that borrowed from both Ninoslav and, and Hector. Really, it's that something like we do it to ourselves that Ninoslav mentioned. And I think there's something in that. Um, I think that so the nature of what we're building, which is typically software I'm going to assume for for everyone on this call software, the way that it's constantly evolving and adapting itself to other technologies as it evolves and expectations around what it should be able to do, it leads to us, our own industry, to just try and constantly reinvent or define what is a product manager and what should they be doing or not doing. And then the other end of it is what Hector mentioned about, I don't think it's particularly special to, to product managers, but I do think it's quite a special case for people in product teams. So when when I, I heard the question, I was kind of thinking about software engineers and they actually go through quite a similar problem as us. I mean, back when you'd be a software engineer maybe, and then you might have been a front end or back end. And then even those definitions now, are like they're really not suitable when you're talking to a lot of your colleagues. I think the most recent one that I was discussing with a friend was a staff engineer and what do they do and trying to explain that. And the problem that they have is that they're actually now going from being kind of, you know, eyes down coding to, to scenarios where they need to be putting themselves into other people's contexts a lot more as a staff engineer, right? And taking technology and placing it into business decisions and interacting with a lot more people. So I guess the why it happens is just the way we always try and constantly reinvent as the software reinvents itself and the process of building software reinvents itself you know imagine like 10 years 20 years later and there's going to be all these no code and ai assisted tools out there and then what are we and what are we really supposed to be doing and which parts of our job has been automated and that's going to happen right so there's that end but for the second part of how do we fix that i mean because it's so different from country to country, company to company, region to region, and just culture to culture, I think it's uh it's super tough. And I would love to actually fire that back to you, Christian, and hear your thoughts on it, on how, particularly on how might you try and fix this.
4: Yeah, well, I wish I had the final answer to everyone, right? Because then that would just solve the problem for everyone. Uh, no, I, I, it, it's just interesting because with my in the last sort of full time job I had as a VP of product, uh, my CEO at the time said, "Hey, I understand what marketing is doing, I understand what sales are doing, I understand what engineering is. I don't understand what product is. I'm like, okay, great, I want to tell you what product is, right? But it still takes a little bit more than a sentence for me to explain what it is that we do." And, and going back to a little bit of the point from, from you, Hector, uh, around sort of product management existed longer than what we are doing. There are product managers who currently are in um, L'Oreal or something, and then they are product managers. They will manage a product in Mascara, for example, to get that out into stores in a specific country. Very different from what we do. Uh, and I have this. Underlying theory, and unfortunately, I don't think I can actually make this change. But I think that the the reason, that one of the reasons why it's so difficult, is also because of the naming that we currently have: a product manager, a manager of product. Meaning, oh, okay, well then everything engineering is product, so I guess we need to include that in there. So you become sort of the leader, even though you're not really the leader. But you know, we've all been involved in those conversations, or you or or you get involved in marketing decisions or customer support decisions, all these different things, which makes total sense that you that you do from time to time. But on the other hand, it's also how broad does that role then get? If you're in a software company, I get it. Okay, let me take another example. If you're an airline, your primary product is to get from people from A to B on metal. Fine. Then there's a software product next to that. I would argue that's probably your main product these days, but still, it's a separate product from what you're trying to achieve. In our case, for most of us, we're sitting in companies that have one product, it's the whole company. It's the whole thing that this company does. Sales are selling the thing and market it, marketing is marketing it and customer support is supporting it. So product is the whole thing. And that's I think that's why we often tend to get pulled into a lot of things that don't always fit and then it's so difficult to explain. So one thing is that I would like, I'm starting to talk, to try and find other words to explain what it is that we do. So product management, of course, I'm not gonna sort of change the whole world. That's that's what it's called now, right? But I am starting to talk more about, and this is not perfect by any means, but talk more about innovation managers, for example, or we do innovation and that's it, to try and, and get down to a sentence that's a much shorter, but also that doesn't sort of include, which I feel can happen that you can fill anything in to the title of product manager or product, product management. Because it's so broad. And uh, so, so that's what I'm trying to do is to try and tighten it, tighten it up and see if I can find other titles. That could be subtitles or other ways of explaining what it is that we that we do also in very few sentences so that I don't have to explain the whole thing every time. Hector, you remarked.
3: Yeah. Um, I think that I agree uh, with, the, um, with the problem of the tag of the role. Um, what I tried to say before was the software takes the tag of the product management more or less recently but to be honest most of the industry is very young so that also makes sense and you are right Uh, there are other industries that was using that for giving an example in the music industry that i more or less know uh, experience that i have had it was quite confusing if you were looking to the to the job market because You have product managers for building technology, the music, the catalogs, the copyrights, whatever. And then you have product managers that are the actual marketing managers, let's say, from the artists. So that generates a lot of confusion of this role for technology or for for music itself. right? Um, Then I I find very curious your approach of innovation manager, because are we sometimes, yes. and, And that's what we try most of the time, right? But... I sometimes struggle to see how we are innovating. Um, I know that we are bringing more value, or at least that should be our, our goal, right? Um, but that necessarily means that we are innovating. And it can happen, and I think we are all happy when we do that because we work in software because it's an innovative industry. Um, but sometimes it's just bringing Value related to OKRs that are related to the company goals, and that can be changing a menu instead of being on the header to the website
4: right so uh, just to jump in on that i mean I, I completely agree with everything you said and of course is everything innovation then it's a whole discussion of what is an innovation right but personally i'm a firm believer that moving a button from somewhere to somewhere else is also innovation it's just not maybe the biggest one but it is but but that's but it goes back to the same problem right that okay then let's call it innovation manager or whatever word we want to put after innovation does that then fully show what it is that we do mm, maybe not <laughs> right uh, what I have found with the word innovation is that uh, business people love innovation, so so that works. They they find that you are very valuable. Ah, okay, you're doing innovation. Ah, okay, then we want you on the team. Uh, so that part is good. Uh, but uh, but I think you're you're definitely onto something in terms of uh, it's really by no means perfect, but it's like oh, I really wish that there was a good way of explaining the things that we do, and and maybe this is also part of sort of a discussion of what is a product manager because I think probably here there could be some level of agreement, but then we're back to sort of the previous point on like depending on country, depending on company, uh, it really differs. And depending on people, I have very strong opinions of what I think is a product manager and what I think a product manager should do, but that is not necessarily what everyone else thinks. So I think that's also uh, that also makes it more difficult, right? That we all have opinions on what a product manager is.
1: Yeah, I'll just jump in here, Kirsten. Uh, I think I mentioned uh, the seniority as you grow as a PM also changes your job responsibilities. So uh, if you associate PM, you are actually pushing pixels, right, to start off with. You will get the task of grooming the backlog, talking with engineers on small tasks. You will not get a task of, we don't have this large initiative, go out and build a team that needs to go left, and right now we are going right. Uh, How do you start that, you know? You will not get that as a PM, but as you grow into the into the craft and you get you know more uh, responsibility, you deliver some product, you deliver some value to the users, you get more and more of these cross-functional initiatives that you need to control, and you get more business-ish, and you actually leading by influence and by example, and not per se more on the what. So, so it's more about leading people. The more senior you get, um, and that's even more. Hard to pinpoint because what are you you're leading people and innovation? <laughs> but I think that's, uh, I think Alex, you mentioned that the similar is within software engineering. You know, you start as a junior software developer, then you become a regular software developer, then you become a lead software developer, then you become team lead, which is also managing people more and more and being part of these larger discussions, large initiatives where you sort of um, are discussing the bigger strokes rather than, you know, which pencils to use, but more about, okay. Are we going to paint a large picture here or going to, you know, what is the canvas? What is it that we are about to do? So that's why also that adds to it in terms of uh, the complexity of uh, explaining. And then again, I, I know for myself, like you become more and more humble about explaining like title, uh, title within product manager doesn't really matter. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the PM for this part, right? Uh, in, in the beginning, you're really hunting that. Okay. And now I'm this and that, but I'm just, you know, I'm just a PM because you want to sort of show empathy and show all of that. And, and... Uh, you are, you're getting more focused on uh, creating this empathy among your stakeholders and everything else. Um, So, so yeah, I think that that's part of it, right? You grow up uh, as part of the craft and then you focus on what can actually make, make an impact. And at the end of the day, that's people, right? At least in my experience.
2: I have to say, you know, sort of that little point you made about the more experience you get in product management, The less you care about the title of it all, and the senior, and the group, and that is so true. It's absolutely spot on. Like you just kind of like it. I I'm just a product manager, man. Just let me do my job. Like that's what you really want.
4: And just I know that we also have to to move on, but. I've actually started working on, I also think that's potentially a problem that the product management and also as a craft is incredibly broad. And I I find it difficult to actually find people who are skilled at every single thing. So I'm starting to sort of make it more clear in building teams and now working with companies that are building teams. There are different responsibilities. It could be one, discovery. Second, product ops. Okay, how do we ensure that we can deliver the things through strategy? Delivery for that matter, then maybe it's more of a, a project owner type of role, but we have these different things and I think we can we can do more to split these out so that they're not maybe not all product managers. And maybe that's what we can acknowledge in in my previous company. We had uh, one of the PMs. Uh, Amazing woman who who knows so much about sort of user research and I wanted to just give her sort of head of user research title or something like that. I wanted to signify to the whole company that this person was really good at user research, not just a P, not just a PM, but a, but she was often compared to other PMs. Like yeah, but she has her sort of skill, something that's really valuable for this team, and that's something I really wanted to do. So I'm starting to sort of split that out more. Uh, shameless plug here. I did post something on on my latest post on LinkedIn is around sort of how do we try and split out the roles more then you can add uh, seniority on top of that that's that's definitely another thing but i want to get a little bit away from just here's a people manager and here's a a a a person who who does discovery i think there's so much more so many more skills that we are possessing that i think we can start splitting to more roles of course as you scale if you're one product manager in a small startup then welcome to startup you get to do everything
0: you know yeah certainly some very insightful insightful points uh, especially around the ambiguity of the role and how sometimes even yourselves find it difficult to explain it. Which brings us on nicely to the next question. If Nina Slav, would you like to pose that question to the group? Sure, uh, so my question is, what challenge is not in your control, but one you need to
1: cope with? And I'll bring it to Alex, you're in the first. Uh, yeah, the I
2: can go. So I have a very tangible, concrete example of that, just because of where I currently work. So my company produces hardware and software, and they're meant to work together in perfect unity. And guess what? <laughs> that's pretty tough. It's the first time I've had that kind of challenge. And I think even a bit more detail is that the team that I lead consumes what the hardware produces, right? So we are beholden to whatever quality or speed or that kind of thing that comes through. And I think the issue, the challenge we have is that this means by and large, the users that my team is really responsible for already have a a defined expectation, experience and behavior before they even reach what we could do. So we find we're on the tail end of trying to impact and move that needle in different ways. And the way that we cope is we actually treat it as, okay, this is a challenge given that the hardware will move at different speeds to what we can do. And given that their expectations of how to do product is gonna be a little different to how the software teams think about things. What we will do is push them to adapt to the quicker and maybe easier experiences that we can provide. And then what we will do is we might say something like, hey, did you know that we can now do this in our end? Have you guys thought about making that already possible from your end? And we have those kind of dialogues. So it's something almost completely out of our control and at the moment it's it's healthy it leads to pretty good friction you know hey they might come to us why aren't you guys using this thing that we're capable of and we push back and we say hey, well have you thought about making this flow instead of that and, and so on and so forth so mine's a very tangible thing it may not be exactly what you're thinking of Slav, but that's just the reality i'm in i'm in today so that's the example i can give you the challenge of being software in a hardware company and a software company Uh, I'm going to throw it over to Hector. What what do you think about it?
3: Um, I think that your example has been very good. I remember working once in our home device with software and having the same type of problem. Um, But I would say that one of the biggest challenges that I think we are not, we try to reduce, to have as much control as possible and reduce the risk as much as possible is the market itself. And it depends in the in the is B2B or B2C. Normally in B2B, your way of controlling the market is easier because you normally have some kind of direct relationship with the at least with the buyer, maybe not the the users of that product, but but at least the person that pays for that product. Um it's more common to have that relationship in B2B. Uh, in B2C, we all know that we make our discoveries, that we make our experiments, we run our hypotheses, then you feel confident for the results that you have been seeing. Suddenly you ship something to the market and the answer is not as you expected, or it's very good and it's much better than expected. But that uh, is even better if that happens, but, but it's something that is not under our control. And And you have to cope with it, and you have to to be very aware of reducing the risks of how to deal with it. Um, I don't know what Christian thinks about it.
4: Um, I'm going to say the annoying thing, and I'm going to say, well, everything. I think that's the sort of, and I know that's a very annoying answer, uh, but I feel like every single challenge that is in a company always hits product at one point in time, depending on who you are. There are certain companies where there's a bigger split between certain things, but I feel that we always get involved in in literally every decision and we're, we're almost expected to as well. We're supposed to know all the market mechan- mechanisms. We're, we're we're supposed to know numbers. We're supposed to know what the cac is. We're supposed to know how support is dealing with things and how they do things. We're supposed to know how the engineering team are working, of course. And, and personally, I'm actually a, a fan of that. I, I I don't believe that that we should hook ourselves too closely to the engineering team, to be honest, because I think that there's so much more. There's value in being literally between the three. But I think that also depends on the company you're in. But I think that that this is the 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 thing that I. Personally, I've struggled with uh, uh, so many times is they feel like I get I get involved in anything that's not in my control. And I think that there's a lot of Product thinking is a beautiful, beautiful thing that I would love to see more businesses apply, not just in product management, but across the entire business. The thinking that goes into, hey, let's get something out fast, let's scope it down, let's experiment, let's find out what works. I'm still missing to see that from a lot of the other departments. And then, then that hits back on, on product. We're trying to get something out fast, we're trying to build it the right way, and then you've got marketing, who wants to do big launches once a year, that doesn't quite flow. One example. So I think that it, I know it's an annoying answer, but it's just I think that every single, every single thing we're getting involved in, and it's 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 rarely out of our control. It's sometimes in control. We can influence, and that's what we try to do all the time. We, we, we're influencers, right? Not the online digital ones, but the uh, inside companies. Uh, but uh, but we really don't have any way of sort of saying, "Hey, marketing team, we do this." "Hey, customer success team, we do this." "Hey, engineering team." we do this, that even that one can be difficult from time to time, depending on decision-making, right? So that's my that's my struggle. Uh, what
2: about you, Nineslav? Uh, what challenge is not in your control, but your cope? Yeah, yeah.
1: I think, uh, you know, I like the fact that Christian said, like, there is a, there's a lot, like, everything and nothing uh, is in your control, sort of, uh, sense of feeling sometimes. But I think internally, if you think, like, during the job, um, something that can get out of control is the communication, because if you sort of work in a large organization, you only have 24 hours in the day. So even though you do meetings, you do emails, and you cannot control how the communication goes out of that inner circle, right? You can have a working group, you can have a sort of a stakeholder group, you can have management group, but outside of those circles, like in, in water, you, you cannot like control the communication, though uh, you have the core, you can do a lot of documentation, but sometimes it can be misinterpreted. So I think uh, that's one thing internally. Uh, and externally, I was more sort of finding like the macro trends like Corona or the recessions that we're about to enter. That's quite interesting. Uh, being part of like doing Corona, it was very interesting to be part of that macro trend. Like that's totally out of your control, but it influences the company, influences your market, influences everything. And how do you sort of cope with that? Uh, and now we're sort of going into a tougher time financially, which is also totally a macro trend uh, that is out of control, but you still need to deliver results. And uh, how do you do that? Uh, how do you sort of cope with it? Uh, in my opinion, it's, it's as product managers, we are used to living in that uncertainty world. So it's easier for us. But I, I I have seen affecting other people that are more box thinking or more planning and, and really are sort of uh, claiming to that. Project plan and if a deadline sort of suddenly gets affected, what do you do then? And we are sort of that's our daily life, right? So that that we are coping with that on a daily basis. Uh, so that that was sort of something that, that could be out of our control that is influencing.
4: Christian, you have a, a hand up? No, yeah, just uh, I think there's a, there's a lot of point in it, one of the things that I'm struggling with. Often seen many times is that. You want to control the communication coming from somewhere else, <clears throat> sales usually, but it can it can basically be in any in any organization or any in department. Uh, what I've learned to give myself a little bit of calm because I've gone through many many years where I've been trying to control all the communication that happens. So wait, what did you say to a customer? Oh, please don't say that to a customer. What I've said because I, I I've learned that as the organization grows, I, I can't control that. There's too many people to control. I'm a single human, that will never happen. So instead, what I've tried to be more clear about is my own communication, right? Let's talk roadmap, right? Be very clear on the things that I know and in my own personal case, I never talk about stuff that I don't know. I don't do estimates. I really am not a fan of that. Uh, but uh, I know that some companies have to do that. But it's it, it helps that I can, there's things that I then turn around and say, okay, I can't control that, that's fine. Then what can I control? Well, I can communicate very clearly what it is the things that we're working on right now. If someone else says something else to a customer, okay, well then that's their relationship. They need to deal with that. And actually I've seen so many times where skilled, talented salespeople, for example, have then owned that relationship they they talk to the customer. They made you know they promised them something. Sure, we didn't deliver it, but they're still customers and they're still happy because they've had that relationship. I don't want to get involved in that, right? So sometimes we also just like there are things that we can't control. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's also just—it's uh, a learning that I've done, especially in the past, sort of, uh, at, at, well, ten years. To be honest, like moving away from that, I don't need to be in every single meeting. I don't need to control everything. That's a great point. What about you, Hector?
1: Let's
3: open the mic. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, communication—I really agree, with both of you. I think it's a very complex challenge, and one of the main ones of a manager, to me, is everything related. From that, when you are talking with the team, it's about communicating the right things. When you are talking with uh, the CEO, it's about getting the communication right to understand what his strategy is. When you are talking with clients, it's about communicating with them and understanding their needs. So everything goes around the communication. The roadmap is a communication tool. Um, You make a, a... and uh, now, next, fo- uh, future, it's, it's, it's about communicating what this the focus that I want to have uh, in terms of tactics, in terms of strategy, and in terms of vision, um, different levels, right? Um, so I'm going to probably link this with, with the next question that is very related. That is, I've been talking about these challenges, and, and I would like to, to understand from you What's your favorite challenge as a product manager? And also, what's the most hated one?
4: I'll, uh, I'll jump in here, and it's a little funny because I am the one on the panel who's not currently a PM, right? I'm not a product manager. Uh, so I'll, uh, but uh, but that doesn't, I think you could say what's your favorite challenge as a product person? I think that's still similar, right? I think we're we're struggling with similar. It doesn't matter the title. Um, uh, my If I can start with my most... Uh, most hated one, actually. I'll do the other the other way around. Is uh, is deadlines and anything that's related to estimates. That's my absolute hate one. My favorite challenge is actually explaining to people, and I know that I said this before as well, but it's actually explaining to people what product it is. I think it's incredibly exciting to be able to explain that. Um, but the uh, but the uh, the the estimates, and I am. Um, if anyone's listening and have have ever worked with me closely, know that I am very much against estimates and and that's not a a sort of a a, a hardcore opinion just because I want to have an opinion is because I really do not think that it works and I I, that's just at least for me as as in my communication I'm just seeing all the problems that stem from uh, communicating uh, hard deadlines and estimates on something we don't know I don't mind time boxes I don't mind setting scopes I don't mind all these things but I, I do mind setting a scope at a specific time in a complex world that is software where you know, it's a it's a one big bundle of code that you're trying to figure out, right? You have no idea how long these things are going to take, and I just like to acknowledge that, to be honest. So it, estimates are annoying. It's also fun to explain to people why we're not doing estimates, though. But uh, that's a, a harder one, right? So I think that's uh, I think that's where I'm coming from. Um, Alex, do you have something to add to that? Yeah, I can. I'll
2: start with the uh, my I guess my most hated. Challenges as a product manager, it's something, and it's something I could, I think I hate it. I definitely don't like it. But I might hate it, and it's because it seems really dumb to me. And this is why I don't like it. And It's that part where management of a company has a relationship with, let's say, a board, and there is a need to please board members at times, which leads to conversations like, "Hey, we have a meeting, and in this meeting." We need to impress them. So what we need you guys to do is tell us your roadmap for the next three years. That stuff. And it's very much linked to what Christian's referring to there. And it's the, when you don't know, let's say a feature and you're asked to not only say what the feature is, but when it will arrive, this is almost to me an insane thing to do. It's, it makes no sense. So I, I hate it and I've done it. And you know what i will probably do it again and i will still hate it um i can we could i guess we could we could do our negatives first why not let's do that uh i think uh stuff. you might you might be able to go next
1: sure uh so i'll i start with a negative one uh let's do that so i think it's a strong word called hate but uh i've been in a situation where i need need to explain um, that I need to validate stuff before proceeding uh, and, and and not just sort of sort of telemetry wise but also in a very um, challenging setup where we should even sort of validate that we need telemetry <laughs> we need usage analytics For me and it took a while it took a while for me and I was like really like I, uh, that was that was tough trying to explain to people that usage analytics is important in software development and at the same time like they get it that google analytics is great for web uh, sites right but how do you explain that uh, to somebody that doesn't feel uh, that that was that was one of my definitely challenges and i agree with you alex um, regarding uh, sort of pleasing something and looking so much ahead just for the purpose of uh, creating a fancy slide it's never good Uh, always trying to be honest and again that sort of organizational level there might be three or four levels to the board from you or even two or one. So you don't even, maybe you just shift the slide and you're not presenting. That's even what's sort of, oh, give me five bullets. I will present them. Sure, like how deep can you go? But that's the neg- negative one for uh, exactly. But what I love the most is going really deep on uh, user value and user problems. If I have the opportunity to sort of really like keep digging in terms of a big user problem uh, and really try to investigate and go all 360 around it and interview uh, qualitative interviews quantitative data all like really go deep and validate some core assumptions and then build the product or service Uh, increase the confidence of teams and everything like that like that's awesome. I love that because uh, when you have the opportunity to do that, it's uh, it, it feels great. It feels that your the team is onboarded and it feels like you're progressing in the right direction and you're sort of uh, confident that you're doing the right thing because you know the problem so deeply. I love that. What about you, Hector?
3: Um Regarding the favorite one, and I'm going to just start with that one is is the same the same as Unisys Lab. I really like to to understand the problem, to understand the, the user, to start making and validating hypotheses and seeing if that leads us to somewhere. And I think that's, that's the... Because probably we all started on this from this kind of, of role, working in solutions that somebody said at the moment. And we were learning across the along the times on hey, it's not about the solution, it's about the problem. Uh, and that's probably where at least it happened to me. I felt in love. This is the, the thing that I really want to focus on. Yeah, solving the problems, but for that, I need to understand very well what is the problem Otherwise, I'm going to put something in front of the user that is not going to be the thing that they need. The most hated one, um, very related to what Alex said. I would say more than the more, I would say the, the hypo management, and that can be a board, that can be a C-level uh, management that is not aligned between themselves in the strategy, and you need to be jumping uh, and trying to make them uh, align. Uh, it can be whatever other layer that you have on top. Uh, as m- If you have more than one person on top with different responsibilities that even gets more crazy if you work in corporate you can find that it's not only about your line it's also with the parallel teams that are working they have their own high post influencing in your line because there are dependencies so um, even i if i love or if i really enjoy more than loving um, stakeholder management There are some times that it gets very complex because even having data supporting your arguments, it gets very difficult to change the mind of somebody that doesn't want to change the mind. So um, on that times, you need, as you say, Alex, you need to assume it. And... Do it in not the the with the best of your smiles and, and try to convince the next time that that probably is not the best approach. On.
2: But but I think that's such a nice true point about product management. Is that by the book? We get told, hey, do your research, get your data, uh, go into that meeting prepared, and you'll win. And it's like that is not how that goes very rarely once someone thinks a thing and they have an opinion and a title that is a different challenge actually um cool i i I think i i didn't actually say my my positive and i don't want to be the only negative one so i'm going to say a positive and that is i love building the team actually yeah i enjoy all everything you guys have mentioned but getting introduced to a new team they're there maybe they've never had a pm before I've certainly not had a PM like me before and getting them to gel with me and then watching them knit and gel with each other. And then, you know, six to eight months, however long a year down the line, looking at them and going, that nah, we're pretty good, we're a team. That's, that's the thing that I get a lot of,
4: a lot of joy out of.
2: Christian, um, did you have any more to add on that one? I did have a point,
4: but sometimes it happens when there's another point, then I forget the point. So uh, let's, uh, let's skip over me for now.
2: Okay, cool. I think uh, I have a, I have a question and it's related to the thing that I enjoy, and it is, uh, what would you say are the characteristics of a great product team, and what practical tips do you guys have for encouraging or creating those characteristics, Uh, Hector? That's a very good question.
3: Um, I would say also a complex one in terms of the complete characteristics. I really believe that a product team needs to have, of course, skills that vary between usability, feasibility, viability, we all know all the list, right? Um, So you, of course, are working always more in the side of the value and viability. That's what we are more focused. The, The rest of the team is focused more on feasibility and usability, although you are always coordinating that, right? Um, What I really like in really good product teams, really great product teams, as you you asked, is when even if you have those expertise in different people, all the team understands enough from each of their expertise to take the best decisions. I really love when a software developer understands why the priority of this thing, of this other thing goes before why this uh, button needs to be in this color and this other color because you have been able, of course, there is a lot of coaching there. And that's probably the second part of uh, your question, how you encourage or, or create those teams, right? That I remember in most of the teams that I have joined, at the beginning, the first months are, you go slow with them, you don't want to break anything, you don't want to change too much because you need to understand them, how they work, and you need to, to really get the point of the team to start adding your value, right? And, and there are a lot of discussions typical of tech debt or this feature or this other feature. And then you come uh, and say, no, the, the priority is in this order. Why is it in this order? Because this is the value. This is the impact. These are the metrics that we are measuring. And they always come with, the, okay, and what is the tech debt? Right. Uh, and I remember having a lot of conversations one year later in time, same team, and they come to you asking for tech debt in a different, complete way. In, okay, so we want to work in tech debt because with this, we are going to reduce the cost of this area, and we are going to have this impact in this uh, success metric, right? Uh, and that magic, in my opinion, only happens either of are already product engineers or you do a lot of coaching work to help them to get there and also to get you to empathize with them and really be able to collaborate i don't know nice. i don't know if that's the same opinion that we have. Huh? I, I
1: think i think you're, you're stating a lot of the uh, right thing so i, I try to take it a, a different stab at it um i think it really, really much depends i've been a part of a lot of uh product teams it depends on the situation and the journey the teams are on but what i like uh some of the characteristics is, is the energy uh, and the, the sort of being diverse in terms of different type of people one thing is that the skill sets and everything but different types of people is, is amazing because it sparks uh great innovation back to question and it sparks some different thinking uh a different uh by background they're coming in with is super important um and for me that's sort of and having a mix of energy in the room is super super cool having an introvert and extrovert uh, and then the guy or the girl that can rally up the group and say well come on we need to groom these 200 items or we need to go out and do 200 interviews in uh, one day how can we accomplish that like leading by example and and pumping that energy through because we are firefighters sometimes in uh, you know and it, it, it gets tough especially up to a big release or up to a delayed release even worse or something like that like it's very important that that you have a team that can rely on that energy and that sort of cater for it uh, everything else will fall in place if you have a, a great team where, where you can sort of pull on each other and and counter that uh, energy levels to get up Uh, you can do amazing stuff Um, and even an associate PM or someone entering the game uh, if he sees another one you know, having a high energy at at first and and enabling them and showing empathy at the same time is very important I'm not talking about the bad energy saying well you you need to stay up like working 15 hours a day for the next three months just to make this I'm talking about being positive and being uh, sort of caring for each other and as persons as people that is a sustainable way of keeping attrition away from your team and keeping them sort of uh, sustainable in the long run uh, you can you know you can do amazing stuff and but you could also burn out a whole team within three to six months if you push them too hard so i think like seeing people uh, seeing them as people and take care of the energy is you know number one thing that I, i'm always cautious about uh, back to also another topic we had in terms of what is not in control people's personal life right so listen in there is other things in life than the work, and if you respect that, you will gain the empathy. You will gain the sort of uh, the trust, uh, and if you're there for them while they're down and help them out, you know, you have them for for a very long time,
4: and they will do amazing stuff for you, and you would amazing yeah, stuff for them as well. It's a great point. Yeah, um, I'll I'll add a bit to that. Um, I think there's definitely I, I completely agree with with everything that's been said so far, but I also think it's interesting to discuss or to define what is a product team. Because I think that there are some companies that run product teams as a cost-functional type of product team. Your main team are probably going to be a product designer and then some engineers and maybe a QA or whatever else, all the roles you can imagine into that. If you go even bigger, you can even have your own marketing person, stuff like that. Um, That can be a team or it can be a product team as in often awesome product managers and to some extent product managers and product designers together. What I've seen, at least uh, the last team that that I was part of, of building, we built a, a, a product team that consists of product management and product designers. Also, not just in terms of how reporting lines were or how you sort of built the org chart, but also in who we synced up with the most. And I just found that it helped us a lot. Because I think that we are, sometimes when, when we do have the cross-functional piece, which I have full respect for companies doing, we often end up, the product manager ends up as sort of a little bit of a desert island uh, out there. It's difficult to connect, talk to people, and you start doubting yourself. And I know that communication is important, but I find that when you then find people who are struggling with some of the same things, uh, also struggling with uh, with uh, understanding what it is that we do, uh, how do we communicate this clearly, and some of the same tools and methods, that really helps when you everyone is in a room, and then I think that that what I've seen with most product people is that because of the people that we are, we, we tend to be very empathetic and understanding. We have to be because we have to understand users, but that also means that we're much better at understanding each other and that can create some really beautiful moments. And then back to, to your point, uh, Nuslav on, on the diversity piece, I think that's incredibly important. Uh, granted, I'm probably not the best at building diverse team. Uh, the last team I had was actually split uh, on, on gender-wise, was so split uh, between the two genders, but uh, but there was probably a lot of, we, we d- discussed a lot like where we two similar on the other hand that similarity also meant that we were so tightly knit that it was just such a beautiful moment i think for everyone to be to be part of um, so so it, it, it's it's difficult but i otherwise agree with you and, and some of the things that 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 i think it goes back to a little bit the first point that that i was also trying to make is that we can also create diversity within the product team we can understand and acknowledge that people are different uh, personally i'm starting also to 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 talk about the difference between a product manager and product designer because i feel like they do tons of the same things and i'm starting to to split it out talking about problem designers and solution designers because what i found and i did the exercise with uh, with the previous team and what we found was that there were four pms and four pds but when we did this exercise, who's really good at designing problems? Who really want to get deep on very hardcore problems? And who's more of a solution designer? It's still discovery, but a solution design. Then we actually switched it around. It was kind of funny. So two P- two PMs became uh, 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 solution designers, and that created a different world because then we knew, okay, these are the people that are part of our team. But I think that there's more. Right? There's that's just one way. That's just still a split between two people. But I think that's the sort of idea of diversity that we can start acknowledging that every single human has their skill and they're not just another pm. Uh, and I, I I don't like to compare PMs because everyone has often their approach to it and their strategy and their strength. Uh, and that's what I want to build up. And that, I think, helps when you're then in the team because then you got all those skills together. And then you can be product thinkers and you can talk about all the cool stuff and you can. it That's just magic happening right there, but it definitely stems from from that diversity, I guess. I
0: think at this point, I'll put it out to the, the panel to see if anybody else would like to ask any further questions or does there's any final points to us. Uh, I'll perhaps just
1: add a comment. I, I enjoyed this a lot. Like it's super great to to share some thoughts with uh, PM peers. Uh, and I'll recommend, like if you haven't been part of these uh, sort of mind-to-product dates that are across, I don't know, for instance, Copenhagen, but also in, in Europe and, and different other... It's, it's always giving to meet up with the PMPs and talk about your products, your challenges, and just share some thoughts. So I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks
0: a lot. It was super fun. Yeah, can I just add on that? I really like the way that we were, you know, you met a unison of opinion on so many different topics. And you even put forward different challenges. I think from the, the start, the onset on, you discussed how product management is a relatively new concept. How misinterpreting the product manager as a mini-CEO. It's partly because of the, the ambiguity surrounding product management itself. And I think throughout, I liked when you you all come to a unison of opinion on the fact that one of the things that you all loved is the fact of understanding user problems. And this has certainly been a great podcast. So I'd like to thank you all on your amazing contributions. If you'd like to get involved on a future podcast, please reach out on LinkedIn or email me at Connor.leyland at evolutionnordics.com. And I'll see you all soon.